Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Worship Service from June the 1st of 2008. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, preaches this morning on the sermon topic, The Power of Positive Faith. His scripture reference is from Romans, the fourth chapter, verses 18 through 25. We now unite with the service in progress. His love endures forever.
blesses each of us each day. You are faithful in your care for us, and your, your mercy is great. And so we come to you today to praise your holy name. You have called us to follow you, O God, and so grant us the grace, like Abraham, to, to hope in your promises. Help us, like Matthew, to put you before everything else in our lives. Help us, like the little girl raised to life, to renew our own lives in faith and help us to believe in you, O God, and to learn what it means to truly follow you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
our scripture reading for today, which comes from Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 4, verses 18 through 24. And this is the passage that Mary was alluding to just a few moments ago. Hoping against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promises of God, for he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what God had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written, not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in God, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. This is the word of God for you and for me. God, thank you for having us all here today. Please make sure that we get through this day. Uh, please bless these tithes and offerings. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Little girl, I bet you make your daddy proud. Some of you probably remember a few few years ago when all the rage and psychological and theological studies was the power of positive thinking. There's a great story that illustrates the limitations of the power of positive thinking about a little boy who went to the dentist because he had a cavity that needed to be filled. And so the dentist asked, now, young man, what kind of God is with us? similar story comes from my dad's drugstore from the time when I was growing up. Dad always had a box of lollipops that he would give to kids when they came into the store, and many of them came to expect that treat when they visited the pharmacy. So one day a little girl came in, and Dad stooped down with a box of suckers and said, so what color do you want? And she immediately said, two of them. (laughs) Talking about child psychology. (laughs) That's the definition of positive thinking, and you can bet that she got two lollipops. But, you know, it seems that we don't hear as much about positive thinking these days as we did a few years ago. Some of you will probably remember Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and his theology of positive thinking. If you can think it, you can do it, was his basic message. And Robert Schuller repackaged Dr. Peale's message as possibility thinking, but now Dr. Schuler's son is taking the lead in that ministry, and it seems to have lost some of its steam as far as the possibility thinking is concerned. And yet, who can deny that a positive attitude is an important element in successful living? Some of you probably saw a movie uh, a few years ago that embodied the power of a positive attitude. It was a story about University of Notre Dame football player named Rudy. It was 1974 when Rudy walked onto the Notre Dame football team, and the head coach at the time was Ara Parsegian. Rudy grew up in Joliet, Illinois. He was the third child of 14 children. But Rudy did not have the physical ability to make the Notre Dame football team, or any other football team for that matter. However, he did have a dream, and he never quit trying to bring that dream to its fruition. Teammates say that he treated every practice as if it was a real game. And over time, he won the respect of all of his fellow players. He worked so hard at his dream that at the end of his senior year, the entire team rallied to his support and demanded that the coach put Rudy into a game. Well, it was the closing moments of the last game of the season. The crowd in the football stadium got wind that Rudy might finally get his chance to play. And the stadium echoed with the repetitive cheer. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Then when Rudy finally got his chance, he made an outstanding tackle and his cheering teammates carried him off of the field. No other player since has been accorded that honor at Notre Dame. 
It is the muse for many great movies and novels. We've seen it so many times before. The underdog doesn't stand a chance, but has a dream, works hard, gives his or her best, and comes out a winner, rewarded by the cheers of the crowd. We're all inspired by stories like that. People who have a dream, people who think positive thoughts, people who conquer seemingly impossible odds. Sometimes we call it mind over matter. And many of us believe that there's something to it. Our attitudes can affect our destiny. In fact, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a person thinks in his or her heart, so that person is. And I've seen it on the other side of the coin as well. I have seen older folks, especially after losing a spouse or another loved one, just give up on life and die just a short while later. While others adopt a more hopeful attitude and and seem to live long and vigorous lives. There was a study at the State University of New York that tested this hypothesis. A psychologist began suggesting to 15 healthy 80-year-olds in New York City nursing home that they could have a happy and long life, and it worked. On average, these people lived 6.2 years longer than a matching control group that didn't get these encouraging messages. They also had fewer illnesses. So you see, it was their attitude about life that made the difference. And indeed, our attitude may determine how long we live or how quickly we die. And it may also determine how successful we are while we're living. Back in the 1950s, there was an experiment in which researchers took a 200-gallon aquarium, filled it with water, and put into it a fish called the northern pike. Now, the northern pike was known as a an aggressive predator, and every day they dumped in some minnows, which was the pike's favorite food. The pike had all the minnows that it could eat. But then one day they divided the tank in half with a piece of glass. And on one side of the glass was the pike, and on the other side of the glass were the minnows. And so now the pike had a problem. It couldn't get to its prey. It swam into the glass time and time again, bumping itself up against the glass, trying to get to its meal. And eventually the pike just gave up and just started swimming around in circles. And then after a while, the experimenters removed the glass. And now the pike and the minnows were free to go anywhere in the tank that they chose. But guess what happened? The pike just kept swimming around in circles until finally... It starved to death. Its favorite food was right there swimming alongside it, but it had been conditioned to believe that food was no longer available. And so that pike literally starved to death. Motivational experts tell us that human beings are somewhat like that northern pike because a negative attitude can act like a glass wall that will keep us from our dreams. And so if we believe that we are losers, we will be losers. But if we believe that we can do it, usually we can. 
as Chuck Swindle put it in one of his books. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes. And the remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is to play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. He goes on to say, I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are all in charge of our own attitudes. So you see, our attitude can have a dramatic effect on our destiny. And yet, even the most dreamy-eyed among us know that there is a limit to how far our positive attitude will take us. Something else is needed. Back in the 1960s in China, China went through its cultural revolution under Mao Zedong. And a major feature of that revolution was the outlawing of all intellectuals and anyone else who had any kind of Western connections. They burned books. They, they did all sorts of things to, to get rid of any inclination of Western influence or anything that had anything to do with intellectualism. Mao's henchmen tried to reprogram the entire nation by making all of China's citizens memorize Mao's quotations in his little red book. And by memorizing those quotations, they were taught that a person could do anything. Well, Nian Qing was a medical doctor before that revolution. After it, she was banished for seven years in solitary confinement. She lived in wretched conditions and her constant cold developed into bronchitis. And so she requested medical help, knowing from her medical training what was wrong with her and what needed to be done. And finally, a young man came to her and quickly decided that she had hepatitis, that she would, he would need to check her blood. Listen to her chilling words. She said, I was astonished. She said, any ignoramus with no special medical knowledge at all would know that I had bronchitis, verging probably on pneumonia, not hepatitis an inflammation of the liver with symptoms entirely different from mine. What sort of doctor was this young man? So I bent down to look at him through the opening of the small window, and I saw a country lad no more than about 20 years old in a soldier's uniform. And I realized that he had not been trained as a doctor at all, but had been given the job because Mao Zedong had said, we must learn swimming from swimming. The young man was simply carrying out Mao's order to learn to be a doctor by being a doctor. There were many propaganda reports in the newspapers in China of cases where untrained hospital workers were said to have performed successful surgeries after mastering Mao's quotations. 
during an operation, revolutionaries anxious to prove the magic of Mao's words remained in the operating room, reciting quotations from his little red book, while the untrained doctor, quote, struggled with the patient. Now, folks, I want you to think about that for a minute. Can you imagine being operated on by a doctor with absolutely no training at all? I don't know about you. I strongly believe in the power of positive thinking. However, if I have to choose between a doctor with the right attitude and a doctor with the right skills, I'm going to pick the doctor with the right skills any day. And by the way, when Mao needed medical attention, we are told that experts trained in Western universities were brought in to take care of him. <laughs> so you see, positive thinking is great. But there are limitations. It cannot cause us to do something that we cannot do. And it cannot cause us to be something that we are not. Now let's get to Abraham. Some people would say that the Old Testament patriarch, Abraham, was the ultimate positive thinker. I mean, think about it. He actually believed that at the age of 100, he would father a great nation. That's pretty way out there, isn't it? Even though he and his wife, Sarah, had not been able to have any children before that time. And of course, Sarah was nearly 90 herself, which makes the whole scenario even more absurd. But listen, listen as Paul describes Abraham's attitude about life. He said, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what God had promised. Amazing. A father at the age of a hundred. And a mother at the age of ninety. It makes me tired just thinking about it. You remember the story of Pinocchio? The little wooden puppet that wanted to be a real boy? It was to Pinocchio that Jiminy Cricket sang that wondrous song of hope. When you wish upon a star makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. seems that this has become a part of our cultural psyche. Your dreams can all come true. All you have to do is to believe and work really, really hard. But the truth of the matter is that Abraham was not a positive thinker in the strictest sense of the word. And I think it would be a mistake for us to use him as an example of how far inspiration alone can carry you. Because you see, a positive thinker has faith in what they can do. But the difference is that Abraham had faith 
in what God can do. And that's a critical difference. Folks, it is wonderful to believe that by having the right attitude, we can have a positive effect on our lives. In fact, as I said before, it may affect how long we live and how well we live. But it's even more wonderful to know that we have a loving God watching over our lives who will help us to be what God has created us to be. And that, my friends, is better than all the positive thinking in the world. Dr. John Killinger tells about a friend of his named Millard Reed. He says that Millard is the president emeritus of Trevecca University in Nashville, Tennessee. And it seems that Millard was on a speaking trip uh, in South Carolina when he suddenly became ill and was rushed to the hospital. His liver had stopped functioning. The system was shutting down and the doctor said that he would die. But a lot of people prayed for Millard and when the doctors found a new liver for him, they performed a transplant and began to recover. Well, one day when Millard was back home in Nashville, he was feeling a little depressed, so he decided to go for a walk around his neighborhood. It was springtime. There were flowers growing in a neighbor's yard. And so Millard stopped to enjoy the beauty of the flowers and a A bumblebee was buzzing from one blossom to the next. And Millard knew about bumblebees. He knew how aerodynamically challenged they are with their heavy, cumbersome bodies and their tiny little wings. But suddenly this bumblebee did something amazing. It headed straight towards Millard. And then before it got to him, it suddenly did a perfect loop-de-loop, like a stunt plane. And went back to the flower where it had started. This took Millard by surprise. He remembered the book of Job and how God at one point asked Job if he could make a horse. Or if he could make a whale or any of the other magnificent creatures that God had put in this world. And Millard said that he could almost audibly hear God saying to him, Millard If I can make that crazy bumblebee do that, then I can give you a new liver. And Millard began to cry. He was still crying when he went back to his house a few minutes later. And of course, his wife was alarmed by this. She thought there was something was wrong. But he said, oh, no, honey, these aren't tears of sadness. These are tears of joy. I am so happy to be alive in God's beautiful world. My friends, I hope that each of you is happy to be alive in God's beautiful world as well. And I hope that each of you has a positive attitude about life and about what you can accomplish in this life. There are many benefits to believing that no matter what, you can do it if you try. But even more than a positive attitude, I pray that each one of you has the faith of Abraham. And I hope that you can trust in a God who will never, ever forget you, who will never, ever forsake you, and who will give you all the blessings that God intends for God's children to have. My friends, no matter how much you and I can accomplish with the right attitude, with God's help, we can accomplish even more. When Jesus was asked to heal a little girl who was presumed to be dead, he said, all things can be done for the one who believes. And I believe it would be appropriate for each of us to pray the prayer of that little girl's father. 
when he said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 337. I know whom I have believed. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's been difficult for you to believe and to have faith in God. I hope that you know in whom you believe today. But if you don't, I hope that you'll take this opportunity today to make that commitment to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in God, to believe in the way that God has called us to live through Jesus Christ. And that is the way of God's kingdom, a way of love, a way of hope, a way of possibilities. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come and share that with us. We'd like to pray with you and pray for you and and to uh, celebrate God's work in your life. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church today. So we invite you to come as we sing together, number 337, I Know Whom I Have Believed. Please be seated for just a moment. Um, I'd like to present to you, most of you know Jerry Neal. Uh, Jerry has been uh, with us for a while and, and be, been attending our church. And, of course, Royce, his, his wife and his children have been a part of our church for quite a while. And Jerry has come to unite with our church and to be a part of our fellowship here. He felt that God has, has led him to this place and... Uh, and we felt that we feel that God is leading him here too, and we are thankful for that. And so, if you would please join me in welcoming Jerry into our fellowship here at Community Baptist Church by raising your hand and saying, "Amen, Amen." Amen. Jerry, I say this every time that somebody joins the church, and that is that we are all ministers here in this church. We are all family here in this church, and family ministers to one another. And that means that we look forward to the days ahead when we minister to you. And we also look forward to the days ahead as you minister to us. 
It is what we do as family. We're glad that you're here with us. I know you want to come by and speak to Jerry after the worship service and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship with him and to welcome him into our fellowship of faith. Let's stand for our benediction. Oh God, be with us all as we continue to follow the one who called Abraham to be the father of a great nation. Grant us the faith to believe that what God has called us to do really is possible. And then move our beliefs into action as we seek to accomplish God's will in our lives. May we live this week in the strength of God's love. And may we follow the Lord in his way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.